everybody. My name's Aaron, and uh, one of the pastors here at Bridgewater. Super glad that you guys are here with us this morning. We are walking through a study in uh, one of the New Testament books. So kind of the Bible, if you're, if you're new to the Bible, the Bible's kind of divided into two parts. You've got a part called the Old Testament, the first kind of 39 books, which sounds all crazy, 39, wow. And then the second part, uh, 27 books, they're all, they're all put together and they weave together telling one consistent story. And today we're looking at one of those New Testament books. It's written by a man named James. And James is a very hard-hitting important portion of the New Testament, and it's really, really important um, not just to apply to our lives, but it's really important for us to stop and go, hey, wait a minute, who's it written by? It was written by the half-brother of Jesus. And if you can convince your brother that you are the Messiah, there's probably something up, right? That tells you something. So, that's the book that we're looking at. If you have a Bible, if you got your phone and you want to open up and look at uh, James chapter 3, that's where we're going to be this morning, okay? To start, I want to tell you a little bit of a story because we've been, we've been looking each week at, at how we can make sure that, that our faith and our lives, the different aspects of our lives are authentic and real, that's what James talks about. And I want to tell you about a, a, a time that I had a real experience where my friendship and my willingness to listen to a person was really tested. Let me show you a picture. This picture is a beautiful place, right? Right? I've actually been there. This is a, this is a lake in the Olympic Mountains, okay, the Olympic Mountain Range, so uh, north and west of Seattle. I know you all think that north and west of Seattle is like the ocean. That's true, but there's, there's a little more space beyond there before the ocean, and there's this mountain range, and it's just incredible hiking, right? This lake is called Upper Lena Lake, and about uh, about 18 years ago, my friend who grew up in Seattle, he and I uh, flew out to Seattle and spent some time out there hiking in the Olympic mountain range. One morning we got up and he goes, all right, cool. We're going to go to one of my favorite places that I hiked to when I was a kid. We're going to go to Upper Lena Lake. Like, Great. We're already camping. We're out in, in the mountain range. But the thing that he didn't explain to me is that getting there is, A, quite difficult. B, um, there is a trail, but it's not exactly marked. And C, he wasn't really sure how to get there. This sounds great, doesn't it? It's, it's, it's not a recipe for dying in the wilderness or anything like that. So we start going along, right? And he's like, hey, I've hiked here. I hiked here when I was a kid. By the way, he hadn't lived there for like six years. He, it had been a long time since he'd been there. He's like, I, I've hiked here as a kid. I think we kind of go this way and up here. There's a fork off to the left, and we're going to follow that. And it's only going to take about an hour to get there. So we only need this much water and maybe a little bit of a snack, and we're going to be just fine. Two hours in, I was really worried. Anybody ever been in a spot like that? Th think with me for a minute. You, you listened to somebody else. They told you they knew what they were doing, where they were going. Maybe you were driving and they gave you directions. No elbowing right now, <laughs> okay? But, and, 
And before long, as you're going along, you, you begin to realize, like, man, I, I don't know that this person really knows where they're going. I started to wrestle with a question on this trip, okay? Here's the question I started to wrestle with. How do I know <laughs> that the directions that I'm following, following are actually right or wise? Can you identify with that? You ever listen to somebody? You got advice? They, they told you this is the way to go. This is how you accomplish it. And you get into it and, and it starts to feel like, mm, and red flags are popping up left and right. That's what was happening to me. We're hiking along two hours in. I, I, I enjoy hiking. I love it. I wasn't worried about my, my fitness. You know what I was worried about? Food and water. You know how long it took us to get to Upper Lena Lake? We did get there. Four hours later, we arrived at Upper Lena Lake. I had water for two hours of hiking. Now, if you've ever done hiking in the mountains, you know you need water. You need food. By the end of it, by the end of our, what was supposed to be a two-hour cruise, a two-hour tour, or whatever, is that how it goes? I don't know. Some of you know what that is. Some of you don't. It's okay. It's because you're, you're younger than like 40, so it's, it's fine, okay? Um, by the end of our, what was supposed to be two hours, eight-hour hike, he and I both were drinking water from streams that we really didn't know how clean they were. Not a great idea. All of this, why? All of this because he said he knew the way and I believed him and we went after it. It made me go, hmm, maybe there's a time that we need to think about who we're listening to. It made me ask another question. In fact, here's the question that I want us to engage in today and think about for our everyday life. Think about for who you're listening to when it comes to work, who you're listening to and paying attention to and following when it comes to your marriage or to, to your relationship with your in-laws or maybe your relationship with an ex. You know, who do you listen to? Here's the question we're going to wrestle with. Is there a way to know that the path that you're on is actually wise? Is there a way to know that you're actually wise and you're heading in a wise direction? Is, is there some way for you and me to know that you're not thinking you're on a two-hour path and you're actually on an eight that actually could have ended up in you being in serious danger? Is there a way for you and I to know? And here's the good news. James, in James chapter 3, brings this very issue up. And that's the question that we're going to unpack and that James unpacks today. So I'm going to start in James chapter 3 and, and verse 13, okay? And before I, before I do that, I want to I tell you, the section before, the first 12 verses of James chapter 3 talk about our tongues. And it's not by accident that in the very next section he starts talking about what is wise because so often we use our tongues for things that aren't wise, Right? Never had that problem, have you? <laughs> Never said something that was like out and you're like, Wah! so he talks about wisdom. 
how do I know if I'm wise and how do I know if the people that I'm listening to and the people that I'm following and the directions and the path that I'm on are actually leading me in a wise direction? He starts in verse 13. Look at what he says. He says this, who is wise and understanding among, among you? Now, I'm not going to make you do this, okay? I'm not going to raise your hand. But experience tells me that just about all of us think that we're pretty wise in some areas of life. Just about all of us think that we know the way we should go. We know right and wrong, you know. You may not have like the, the answers to all of the, like the, the big and difficult questions, but most of us tend to think that we're actually fairly wise. And so James asks a good question for his, for his readers and the people that he's teaching and leading. He says, who among you thinks that they are wise? Okay, if you think you're wise, let's test it. Let's find out if it's real. Okay, he goes on and he says in, in, in the second part of verse 13, he says this, here's how you know, let them show it, let them show it by their good life and by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. How do you know that somebody is wise? It's not how smart they are. It's not their IQ. It's not their ability to just get things done or to deliver results. It actually is going to show up in this. It's going to show up in their good life. It's going to show up in good deeds. It's going to show up in humility. And you know what the fun thing is? You know where humility most often has to show up? With our words. You know where humility most often has to show up? When there's conflict, when you've been hurt. How do you tell when somebody is wise? Well, that's the question that James answers. And here's what he says. Wisdom is not seen in what you know. Wisdom is not seen in what I know. That's not the answer. It's not, do I have all the answers? Can I speak into every situation? Can I listen to you and what you're walking through and, and just tell you, well, you need to do A, B, C, D. Is that, that's, not the, that's not wisdom. Wisdom is actually seen in what you do. It, showed up, it shows up in how I live. It shows up in, in how I respond when somebody hurts me or sins against me. Will I forgive? Will I not? Will I be bitter? Will I be envious? Will I be jealous? Will I treat you like a jerk because you treated me like a jerk? That's wisdom. Now, can we just breathe for a minute together collectively? Because <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you. I don't like this. Right? I don't like this. I have a flesh too that when somebody hurts me, I'm ready to fight. Okay? But Jesus calls Christ followers to something different. And so I, I want to bring that up for a, for a minute because I realize that week in and week out, we're, we're, we know that there are people here who aren't yet convinced of Jesus, and that's okay. If you're not convinced of Jesus, here's the good news. You can sit back and say, huh, cool, that's for all of those Jesus followers. That's, 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 I don't have to do this. But I would invite you in because I think it will produce good things in your life if you listen to what James has to say. 
but he's talking specifically to Jesus followers. And what he does is he talks to us about how wisdom needs to show up in what we do. A couple of things. The idea of humility is, is strength under control, okay? That, that's what he's saying. So we're, we're to show up, and it's not that we just keep our mouths shut and we're little mice in, uh, in the corner all the time, but, but, but we have strength under control. And yet if I use my words as a weapon, can I just tell you, I am not wise. So what now? Because as James goes on, he presents an issue. He says that there's, there's one type of wisdom that leads one direction and another type of wisdom that leads another direction. And then he leaves us with a choice to make. Here's what he says. He says the trouble is there's, there's two types of wisdom. So I want to walk you through the two types of wisdom. Let me show you the first one. Starting in James chapter 3 and verse 14. Here's what it says. It says, but if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. So let's unpack this for a minute. He's talking about one, one type of wisdom. One type of wisdom is led with bitterness and envy and selfish ambition. It's like this. You cut me, I cut you. Right? And I realize that some of us grew up like that. That's how our families operated. That's, that, that's how things went. You talk against me, I'm going to talk against you. That's the type of wisdom that the world offers. Your boss is a jerk. Cool, I'm not going to work hard. I'm going to collect a paycheck, sit down, shut up. I'm not going to do anything because my boss is a jerk. Your spouse hurt you? Cool, I'm going to check out. I'm checking out. I'm not leaning in. I'm not dealing with the problem. I'm checking out, okay? You, 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 you get a divorce. Your spouse doesn't, your, your ex doesn't treat you well, talks poorly about you to your children and what are you going to do I'm going to repay evil for evil you got a family member who is treating you so poorly and dragging you through the mud this type of wisdom would say hey cool get bitter treat them the way they treat you and the world says that bitterness envy Selfishness, selfish ambition. The idea of envy is a continually made-up competition with others to look the best. It's a, it's a rivalry. It's like if somebody gets something, well, I got to get something better. If somebody does something, well, I got to do something better. And there's a constant comparison. That is not godly wisdom. In fact, let me show you what kind of wisdom this is. It's a wrong kind of wisdom. It's, it's the kind that comes from, from me and puts me first. That's why it says selfish ambition. Now, a couple of things. I want to I deal with that word ambition. There's, there's nothing inherently wrong with the idea of ambition, but when it's driven just for you and you getting what you want and making sure that people know you're right and you're wise and you're the one to be followed and paid attention to. What is that? comes from me and puts me first. Can I tell you about my own life? 
the biggest fight I've ever had with my wife, my, my lovely wife who was up here earlier hosting, the biggest fight I've ever had with my wife came out of my selfishness. At a time, I won't tell you the whole story because, you know, whatever, but the, the reality is that it came in a time where we were both stressed and, and tired, and, and I spoke out of my anger and my selfishness, and I said, do you ever think of me? And my wife, you know, all she does is think of me and take care of me and take care of my family. And because in a moment I wasn't getting what I wanted in my selfishness, I thought I was being wise. I was a fool. That's where it leads you. This type of wisdom comes from you and it puts you first. Look at what else, look at what else James has to say about it. Verse 15, he says this, such wisdom. What wisdom? The wisdom we're talking about, the type of wisdom that comes from you and, and, and puts you first. By the way, sorry, before I uh, just leave that there, uh, praise God, she walked away. God stepped in and hit me with a two by four and said, you idiot. <laughs> My words, not his, okay? And, and thankfully, we were able to come back together and I was able to own my selfishness and learn. I'd like to tell you that was the last time I've been selfish, but it's not. But I think the more that we, we turn it over and we say, okay, here I am, here I am, I was selfish. The more we do that, the more the Spirit of God works on us. And if that's you here today and you're like, yep, I've been, hey, give it to him right now. Go to the person you're being selfish with or envious of or bitter towards. Go to them right now and the Spirit of God will soften your heart and he will change you. And, and because of that, I think God has strengthened our marriage. Okay? I think it's possible for you as well. So look at what he says. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven. Okay, so it's not sourced in God. It's not sourced from heaven. But it is earthly. It is unspiritual. It is demonic. In other words, the idea of earthly means that it, it doesn't ever think of the things of eternity. All it thinks of is what I can get right here, right now. And if that's what's dominating our minds, what can I get right here, right now, not thinking about what is good in the long run, then it's earthly. Secondly, it is unspiritual, which means it's the opposite of the fruits of the Spirit. If, you, if, you've not, if you're not familiar with the fruits of the Spirit, there's another book in the New Testament, the book of Galatians, that talks about the fruits of the flesh versus the fruits of the Spirit. Fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, understanding. It, go, it goes on, okay? The, the opposite. In other words, what this kind of wisdom, the wisdom that says, put yourself first, you do you, boo, you get what you get, get mine, and I don't care about anybody else, that kind of wisdom is earthly and unspiritual, and it will produce death. That's where it will take you. Not only that, it is sourced in Satan himself, it is demonic. That's what he says. The wrong kind of wisdom comes from me, and it puts me first. Here's the interesting thing. When, 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 um, when God talks about Satan, do you know what it says about, what he says about him? He says, Satan, the enemy, has come with, with, with like one clear goal to kill, steal, and destroy. 
Is that what you want leading the charge for you? To kill, steal, and destroy. Okay? So he's showing us what happens. And he ends this, this first section about the, the, the wrong type of, of wisdom in verse 16. He says this, For where you have envy and selfish ambition. He leaves out bitterness, not because bitterness isn't the problem. No, it's still there. He's summarizing. Where you have this bitter envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder. It makes everything and everyone unstable, and no one is able to do what is good. Okay, and every evil practice. And the reality is that this kind of wisdom, this worldly kind of wisdom, might get things done, but it actually accomplishes nothing. It hurts us. So here's, here's what I think we've got to stop and think about. Okay? When I was hiking in the, in the Olympics, I, had to, I needed to know the path. And I needed to know where the path ended up. Because a path takes you someplace. So the, the path that you're on, if, if you're trying to figure out whether it's a good one or heading in the right direction, here's a couple things you need to know. Okay? You, you, you need to know that, that you can tell a path by, by where it leads. What, what are your decisions producing right now? You can determine wisdom by what it produces. That's the truth. What is it producing? What's, what is, let me just ask you this question. What is being produced in a number of different areas of your life? Okay, let me, let me you know, kind of expound on that. What is being produced in, in your relationships, in your work, in your marriage, parenting, online interactions, because those are always awesome, right? In-law interactions, ex relationships, finances. What's being produced? At work, do you have the mindset of, you know what, how can I get away with doing as little as possible? Or how can I stick it to my boss because he seems to always want to stick it to me? Or I didn't get the promotion, so you know what, I'm not going to work hard. In, in your interactions, maybe many teenagers in the room here today, those of you who are saying, you know what? Those people said terrible things about me in class. That's it. I'm writing whatever I want to write about them online. What kind of wisdom is that? Everybody else does it. I'm going to do what I want. What is that sourced in? It's sourced in me and me getting what I want. In your marriage or in a, in a relationship or in dating, you know what? You know, girl, you don't have to talk to him. He was wrong. You just ignore him. I was fighting to not be like, you know. Uh, I did it, yeah. Every now and then you got to lighten the mood, okay? Or the mindset that says, you know what, you got a girls' night last week, that's it, I'm going out with my buddies for the weekend. Or the mindset that says, you know what, I don't care what you think. I'm buying whatever I want. This is the kind of wisdom that is wrong. Second, look at what James says about the other type. But the wisdom that comes from heaven, it's sourced in heaven, it's sourced in God, is first of all pure. It wants the things of eternity. It wants things that last. It wants things that may not come instantaneously. There's not instant gratification in, in, in the kingdom of heaven. I, I wish there was. I like to microwave things too and beep, boop, 
you know, I don't even like waiting for 30 seconds at the microwave, you know? But heaven doesn't work that way. It's pure. Second, it's peace-loving. It's peace-loving. It is willing to do anything and everything to be at peace with other people. Yes, even when they hurt you. (laughs) Yeah. Even when they hurt you. It is considerate. In other words, it's not combative and abrasive. And oh my word, I hate this. Because man, if we start fighting, I want to fight. My mama told me, listen Aaron, you're either going to be a lawyer or a preacher. And I think I could have done either well. If I was a lawyer, I would be fighting. And abrasive and combative. But that's not what I'm called to be. It's considerate. It's submissive. It's open to reason. It it, it doesn't insist on its rights or its own way. It's willing to be taught. It's willing to listen. It's full of mercy and good fruit. It shows compassion to the people in need, even if they are needy. Guess what? People in need are needy. Which means it, it, it's going to cost me something. Sometimes it's time. Demonstrates good fruit. It's rich in good, good deeds. The wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. In other words, there's no favoritism. And it doesn't put on a front. It's not two-faced. It doesn't say one thing and do another. And frankly, all of these, the more I study this and the more I study Jesus, this sounds a whole lot like Jesus, which is one of the reasons I want to follow Jesus and want to become more and more like him. And it's one of the reasons that I would invite you, if you're, you're still not sure about Jesus, this is who Jesus is. I know you've heard that he just hates all of those terrible other things. And, and surely, yes, God does hate sin because sin is bad for you. It's bad for me. It hurts us, but this is how he interacts with us. This is who he is. I, I would urge you to come to him. So what does this say about wisdom? We've talked about the wrong kind of wisdom. What about the right kind? I want to leave you with this. The right kind of wisdom comes from God, and it puts others first. It puts my kids first. It puts my wife first. It puts even people who who might see me as their enemy or treat me like their enemy, it's a wisdom that puts them first. And that is countercultural to a T. You say something about me online, I'm going to say 10 things about you online. You slight me, you know, it's like I said before, you cut me, I'm going to cut you. But that is not the pathway to peace. Verse 18 says this. Here's the result. Here's the result of this kind of wisdom. Verse 18, okay? Peacemakers. By the way, this is not peacekeepers. I want to make a distinction between peacemakers and peacekeepers. Peacekeepers are people who just refuse to lean in and deal with problems. They're just going to keep the peace. 
You just try to, everybody keep their heads down, keep your mouth shut, don't say anything, don't stir That's That's peacekeeping. This is different. A peacemaker is a person who chooses to glorify God, who wants to get the log out of their own eye first, who will go and be reconciled and will gently restore. That is what it means to be a peacemaker. People who do that. People who you see doing that, those are people you should listen to and follow. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. In other words, the end result of worldly wisdom is what? All kinds of strife, disorder, and all kinds of evil practice. The other type of wisdom, what does it produce? Peace and righteousness. That's what James is saying. So, What's he calling us to? He's calling us to produce different things in, in our lives. So I'll go back to a question I asked you earlier. What is being produced in your relationships? What's being produced at work? What happens when there's conflict at work? What happens when there's conflict in your family? What happens when there's conflict with your kids? What happens when there's conflict online? What happens when there's conflict? Well, we should just call online conflict. We should just call it that. What happens when with your in-laws when, when they... they stick their noses in things you think they shouldn't. What, what, what happens? What happens with your ex? What happens when you talk about finances in your family? What are you producing? Is it producing peace and righteousness? Or is it producing disorder and all sorts of evil? See, there's two steps that I think we could follow here today that would change everything for us, okay? But let me give you the two steps. Number one, we start by evaluating. We look. We look at that question. That's the question. Here, let me repeat it to you in a different way, okay? What does my lifestyle reveal about the wisdom I'm subscribing to? Like, what, is, what does my lifestyle say about who, who I'm following and paying attention to and listening to? Are you listening to wisdom, like godly wisdom? Or are you listening to worldly wisdom? Are you listening to yourself, to your feelings, to your desires? What does it say? What does your lifestyle say? Could, could your life be described as, as peaceful and, and righteous? Or is your life better described like this? <laughs> Like, seriously, like, that's what happens. And I know it's a little dramatic, but when your life explodes, it explodes on your kids, explodes on your family, explodes on your friends, your community. I, I don't want you to explode. So first we evaluate, second we adjust, okay? And here's how we adjust. We adjust by seeking God and by seeking wise people, okay? First, the, the seeking God is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, which says this. It's a, it's a wisdom writing, by the way. There's a reason I'm choosing this, okay? It's a wisdom writing written by a man named, named Solomon who says this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Go to him. Secondly, seek wise people. And wise people are people who will carefully, lovingly, and in the right time and in the right way, tell you when you're wrong. Everybody loves that, right? 
Proverbs 26, 7 says this, wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. A person who just keeps telling you, oh no, you're fine. You do you, boo. Do whatever. You're good. Don't worry about it. That's not good advice. Wounds from a friend can be trusted. So here's what I want to leave you with. What if? What if you and I went home today and said, I got some areas where I like to uh, do what I want rather than what God wants. I've got some areas where I, I, I live for me and not for others. What if, what if we chose to evaluate, we saw the areas that needed to be adjusted, we went to God, we asked for help, and we got accountability with somebody. I just have the audacity to think that our marriages would look different, our relationships would look different, our workplaces would look different, our communities would look different, our kids would look different. And I wonder if you would just try it. If you just try it for a week, would you try for a week to let God adjust you? Adjust how you interact with your parents. Adjust how you interact with your, with your loved ones. So that you're putting others first and submitting to God and striving for peace and aiming to be considerate. I just wonder what would happen. Father God, thank you for your word and the wisdom contained in it. Thank you that we do not have to try to figure this thing out all by ourselves. Now, I know when I was in the mountains and hiking and I didn't know and I was following somebody who really didn't know, I got a little scared. And I'm thankful that, that, that you overcome things like that. I'm thankful that even in our daily lives when we hit situations like that where we're not quite sure which way to go, we're not quite sure what you want us to do, we can ask you and you do give us guidance so that we're not left all alone and we can go the way that leads to wisdom. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.